The Thirteenth Amendment abolished slavery in the United States after the Civil War. However, thousands of former slaveholders who had relied on enslaved labor for their economic prosperity faced a loss of income and power. So, they sought alternative ways to exploit black people to gain or retain income and power. The federal and state governments would play a significant role in black people's economic oppression. A business owner knows labor is the most significant and indispensable business cost. It always has, and it always will be. But with new technology, replacing some of the labor costs with machines is becoming easier. But after the end of enslavement, there weren't many machines that could replace the work of the free labor enslavers had. Some might argue that exploitation is a personal responsibility and not a systemic issue. However, this ignores the historical and legal context that has enabled white people to exploit black people in the United States. The withdrawal of federal troops from the South after the Civil War was followed by the enactment of Jim Crow laws that enforced racial segregation and discrimination. It is a common misconception reinforced by historical narratives that Jim Crow laws were only meant to segregate races in the South. However, this overlooks the economic implications of these laws, which allowed white people to profit from black people without providing them equal services or opportunities. Jim Crow laws were not only a form of social control, but also a system of exploitation. There is a quote that people refer to when they are looking for fraud, corruption, or hidden agendas. The quote is, follow the money. Why follow the money, you ask? The phrase, follow the money, is often used to suggest a method of investigating crimes, especially those involving corruption, fraud, or hidden agendas. It implies that by tracing the money movement between the parties involved, one can uncover the truth behind their actions and motives. Black people faced numerous obstacles to economic advancement after the end of slavery. Unlike white workers, they endured various forms of exploitation, such as sharecropping, peonage, convict leasing, and racial discrimination. These practices prevented black people from accumulating wealth, owning land, accessing education, and participating in democracy. Peonage, a forced labor system involving workers being bound to their employers by debt. Peonage can take different forms, such as sharecropping, convict leasing, or debt servitude. Peonage exploited mainly poor and black people, who had little control over their economic and social conditions. Convict leasing. This system was where state and local governments leased black prisoners to private companies, farms, mines, and railroads for cheap labor. The convicts were often subjected to brutal conditions, abuse, and torture. Many of them died from disease, accidents, or violence. Convict leasing was a way to re-enslave black people and profit from their labor without paying them or providing them with any rights or protection. Sharecropping. This was a system where black farmers rented a plot of land from a white landowner and paid a portion of their crop as rent. The sharecroppers had little control over the land's quality, the crop's prices, or the contract's terms. They often had to buy seeds, tools, and supplies from the landowner at high interest rates, they also had to pay taxes and fees to the local authorities. Many sharecroppers were in debt and unable to leave the land or improve their situation. Black Codes These laws restricted the rights and opportunities of black people in the South after the Civil War. They aimed to keep black people subordinate and prevent them from migrating, owning property, voting, suing, testifying, or competing with white workers. 
They also imposed harsh penalties for minor offences and allowed black people to be arrested and forced into labour for vagrancy, loitering or breach of contract. Redlining describes the practice of denying or limiting services, such as loans, mortgages, insurance or healthcare, to people based on their race, ethnicity, income or location. Redlining is a form of discrimination that has a long history in the United States and has contributed to racial and economic inequality. Redlining was officially banned by the Fair Housing Act of 1968, but some of its effects still persist today. People yell, it's because of systemic racism all the time. Well, this is what is meant by systemic racism and oppression. Systemic racism and oppression refer to the pervasive and persistent barriers that black people face in achieving economic and social equality. These barriers result from historical and current policies and practices at the federal and state levels that discriminate against black people and limit their opportunities. Systemic racism and oppression are not merely individual attitudes or behaviors, but rather structural and institutional forces that shape the lives of black people in the United States. Even when black people could carve out a little wealth for themselves, white people were always there to take it. Look up the Red Summer Riots. Black people have resisted and defended themselves against the system of racism and oppression imposed and maintained by the wealthy white elite. However, they have faced the opposition and hostility of the poor white masses who have been manipulated and exploited by the same system. Instead of joining forces with black people based on their shared economic and social interests, many poor white people have fallen for the ideology of white supremacy, which has convinced them that their whiteness gives them some privilege and protection over black people. This false sense of superiority has blinded them from seeing their own oppression and from realizing the potential of collective action to challenge the status quo. Being a black man in the United States has never been easy. It is even harder to be a black woman.